Welcome to the Barnes Before Bed Show, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. on Weagle 91.1 FM. Your home for late-night Auburn athletic coverage from a fan's perspective each hump day. War Eagle. And with that, we bring you episode 30 of Barnes Before Bed here on Weagle 91.1. A special episode. I said it last weekend, or excuse me, last Monday. I don't know how this crew made it to 30 episodes. A true Cinderella story that brings us here a year later, all together on a cold Monday night in Auburn, Alabama, getting ready to talk about a cold past few weeks of football. But first, there actually is some positive news when it comes to football around the city, or at least for this crew. Last weekend, I was talking about a flag football game, and that was the only reason why I was by myself. But hey, the guys won. So give a round of applause up to Jack and Graham for winning that game. Also, we'll be playing at Jordan Hare next week. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that two would weeks. Be pretty cool. Yeah, two weeks. October thirtieth, eight thirty p.m. Is that? I'm losing track. Two of weeks yeah. from today. Yeah, but anyways, we uh, speaking of flag football, let's talk about our defense for Monday. Let's go ahead and break <laughs> this down. So I, I was, I was very. Uh, this was a humbling Saturday for me. Before I let y'all go, I'll, I'll t- say my keys or excuse me, my main takeaways. It showed that we are still. A huge work in progress as a team and as a program, which is fine with new coach transition, whatever. But it was a little demoralizing to see how the new era of football, and it, I feel like it was really showcased how it doesn't matter. It's like in basketball. If you have a great point guard, you can win anything. If you have a great quarterback and just one playmaker, you can be dangerous on any given night and that's what LSU has in Daniels and Neighbors and right from the jump the most demoralizing thing is a home fan or excuse me an away fan on the road you travel all the build-up especially being it being a night game you get there and then just a four-play drive just dagger hits you right there and I was like man I don't really know if we we can even compete down 17 nothing we scored the Jarquez wildcat play I was like oh maybe a little payback from last year after being down 17 nothing then they go down the field, get the field goal. We get the pick going into halftime. Great play by Jalen Simpson. We'll talk about our defense and secondary a little more going in the second half. Nine checks in the game. Throws a great ball. Everyone's losing their minds on Twitter about that play. Only get three out of it, and then just right back. Great return on the kickoff. They score, and yeah, the game was just over from there. Fellas, what was your main takeaway from Saturday? Uh, so I actually um, I kind of think differently, I guess, more – realistic of it right now so if you go back to the episode of when we were predicting what Auburn's record would be and we went through the schedule I'm pretty sure we had this down as a loss uh I'm pretty sure you know hats off to Barners I'm pretty sure we're still perfect through our schedule predicting what was our what was our final? Was we not, we had nine and no, we went. We, I, we went nine. I think three. the only place we differed was the A and M game and the Arkansas game because I know I had us beating A and M, losing to Arkansas, and I had it, flipped. and you had the other way. So you're you're right. Uh, at least I can make those picks correctly. Uh, so my big takeaway was just responding to getting hit in the mouth. You know that first quarter, just getting down 17-0, it just hurts. It's hard to fight back when you're not a more talented team, per se. Uh, so that, it was just very frustrating to watch. Um, just, just early on, we just got, we got put behind, and we just couldn't, couldn't really focus on what our game was. Because when you get down 17 points, you can't you know, run the ball down their throats, I guess is the best way to say it. Yeah. You can't kill clock. 100%, but and yes, you're right. We had us going 9-3 and three before the season with us losing these three games, gauntlet, couple gauntlet road games and then in between you got the number one team in the country but here's a little tidbit for you guys and this is where I'm more disappointed in the last three SEC games we played in the second half our combined scores are 66 to 28 and yes you can't run the ball when you're losing in the first half you got to track back but Jarquez for a rush defense that has been awful all year he only had seven carries for 16 yards and furthermore we talk about the talent gap I really believe if you go down the line between us, Arkansas, and Missouri, who hung with LSU toe-to-toe, there really isn't that much of a gap. I'm even willing to argue that we are right there with both of them, maybe even a little better at some positions, but it really comes down to quarterback play, and boy, is the quarterback play of our squad and their squad just on different planets. Garber, you've been a little quiet. What's your take? Yeah, I would agree. Um, Talent-wise, defensively, I think we 
probably have LSU edged out. I think we did better, performed better in the portal this past year trying to rebuild, but you really couldn't tell this week based off that like that quarterback difference. I think it's I think it's very apparent nowadays, especially you have to have a quarterback at college and NFL. And right now, the play we're getting from our room right now is just not. It's not going to beat a team like LSU, especially on the on the road. Um, I think it's becoming more and more evident that our team thrives off of Jordan Jordan Hare energy, and on the otherwise, I think I think the outside noise is hard for us to combat because it was loud. It was it was really loud, and I've taken a step step back because I was I was pretty disappointed, pretty bummed after that loss. But if you take a step back and you fly out, as Josh Pate says, to 50,000 feet above and you gain, gain perspective, you look at the history of this rivalry. We don't, win, we, we don't often win there, even with good teams. The 2013 National Championship team lost there in Death Valley. 2010, we played them at home. But I, looking back on it, it, it makes the, the picture – I think the score is a little misleading. You know, they go down, score two touchdowns late in the game when, it kind of, when you could already sense that the game was over. Auburn kept it close, brought, got that score to eight, scored the touchdown, and got the two-point conversion, brought it to a two-score game. I, you know, thought maybe there was a little bit of life, and then they just immediately answered, and from then on <coughs> this. Not only did they immediately answer, but it was an 11-play, six-minute drive yeah. where they just kind of beat us. Yeah. Yeah, you Trey, you alluded to this earlier. The dagger for me was where it's twenty to ten. Anytime there's like a slither of a hope with us on the road, it seems like you know we just get gashed. So like it, we're, it's twenty to ten. Eleven minutes left in the third quarter, we're feeling pretty good where we are, and then we kick the ball off. Garber, you've said this multiple times. Why do we not kick touchbacks every time? I still don't know. Sixty yard return, and then they drive the ball down the field. I mean, it's killer. So, I mean, just stuff like that is just frustrating. I was, I mean, it's week seven. We're going into week seven. We are who we are offensively. So, like, my expectations were pretty low going into this game. Um, but I was just really disappointed with our defense as a whole. Like, we're, our secondary is our strength. That's our best position group on our team, I, I think, hands down. And we give up over 300 passing yards to Jaden Daniels. And then our run defense is pretty solid, has been, has held up very well for us this year. We give up 238 on the ground. So, they just, could do whatever they wanted with us. That was that was pretty frustrating, but again, like it's it's kind of like basketball. Like your defense can only hold up for so long before you know the the opponent starts scoring. And I feel like that was very common with our basketball team last year, is that we played really really good defense and we couldn't score. And so at some point, you just can't hold up that long. So I kind of that kind of happened with LSU, and I don't know. Is it a fair criticism to? question what Ron Roberts game was game plan was going into this game uh, I yes and no let me tell you this we on the first where they scored 14 unanswered or excuse me they 17 unanswered we were in man coverage for a lot of those plays going back and watch the watching the game man coverage against LSU give it half a second and Jaden Daniels is going for 40 yards and then also keep in mind between Kyron Lacey and Malik Neighbors like those are one two punches of maybe the that is the best receiving duo in the SEC, hands down. I don't know why we came out of the gates like that, especially off of a bye week. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Either. I don't know if you can attribute this to Ron Roberts. He's very creative with his blitz schemes, coverage schemes. So I mean, our secondary just played horrible. Well, like that was by far our worst game. Um, their worst game was a position group. Didn't tackle well. Again, this is the same story with UGA. LSU was very successful on third down, couldn't get off the field, couldn't generate a pass rush. So I don't know how much you attributed that to Ron Roberts or just to our guys. Kyron Lacey, I was getting Leonard Fournette PTSD on that little run he had in the third quarter. Mm. Boy, just a man amongst boys out there for a little bit. And it's really, we can't be too hard in our secondary because they've been the pinnacle of positions that we've had. They've really played the best, in my opinion. But that was not a great game for them. Offensively, moving forward, is does that cement nine as our guy the rest of the way? And we'll talk about more leading into Ole Miss, but I I have no idea. You freeze said this morning, expect both to play. Just so try, I trust what we're just gonna, I don't, I honestly <laughs> we're just gonna keep playing the game. That is that, that is, is the definition of uh, of uh, 
what is the word I'm thinking of? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting insanity. to result insanity. Yes, there we go. Man, can we? But is there any, like, what is the answer? I, I think I, you go with nine, man. I said against UGA. Like, we're not <laughs> going to throw the ball effectively. Might as well run it effectively. We didn't even do that. So, like, so, I think we just got to go straight Cadillac Williams offense again like we did last I, year. I, I At agree. least Peyton broke, the, uh, broke our streak. Yeah, he did yeah, break he the did. streak by two, two yards. By two yards. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, clap it up. But, no, I, I don't know. I, I kind of want to say that it just, from the get-go, kind of looked like moment was too big. Um, it, it, it just looked like I keep, I keep going back. Just my whole life watching us at LSU, it's just been – they just kind of own us. And, like, it's weird that Brian Harson somehow figured out a way – Reverse course right. from that. Bo Nix figured out a way. Bo yeah. Nix figured out a way. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. Something just it did not. It was kind of the same way with A and M. The word that kept I kept coming to my head was kind of uninspired play, which makes me, which kind of you know leads me to believe like we need that Jordan Hare energy. You know, they said coaches got coaches say like you shouldn't have to rely on the crowd. You got to bring your own energy. Hundred percent. Um, I mean, I think that's the reason why Vandy. <laughs> was able to score a couple points on Georgia this past week is because there is zero energy there that, like, it's kind of the reverse. Like, it's not – it's so quiet it's that like, yeah, they couldn't – they, like, they have to bring their own energy because it's not going to be there. And I, and I think that – Has that been rep- Vandy's strategy all, all along? Uh, probably not. Because no, all these schools are used to I can to imagine it. they'd rather sell more tickets, but um, – Well, I mean, their alumni are probably the most successful out of the SEC. Maybe they don't need it, like Stanford. Stanford, Stanford is the wealthiest school in the country, and they do never they never sell any football games. It's an odd yeah, tactic. Yeah, it's not, a bold strategy, Cotton. Yeah, but. they're not focused on football. But enough Vandy talk. But yeah, it's a like I I don't know the the way I just it, it looked uninspired to be to be real honest. And I don't know if that comes down to coaching. If it comes down to just like new players, just you know, coming off the bye week too. That's the problem. Is it's coming off the bye week. It is hard. <laughs> But, like, nothing schematically seemed – I thought, I really thought – and I still don't understand. Does, maybe he just doesn't trust our – like, Peyton or Robbie to run one. But not, no trick plays. Nothing. Like, Mm-mm. not – it must just be that. Like, he just must not have any confidence that – because if you can't make a regular pass, how come – like, how should you expect you all to make, like, a pass in a, you know, special situation, yeah. trick play, you know? Is it – Trying to do something cute. Is it – and we talked about the Missouri-Arkansas talent gap with us, and they – Missouri should have beat LSU, in my opinion. I am still heartbroken from that backdoor cover. Arkansas took them to three points. Are KJ and Brady Cook and Andrew Armstrong and Luther Burton as their quarterback and main playmaker that much better than Peyton and whoever you want to say our main playmaker is? I'd probably Jay? say Jay Fair, yeah. Uh, it's probably a mix. Um, you got to look at how long those guys have played together. I think we still, you know, we constantly do still forget about that. You know, these guys are all relatively new to Auburn uh, for the most part on that offense. So you got to keep that in mind. And building chemistry is something that definitely matters. So, but also, yeah, I mean, they probably are a little bit more talented. So t- going back to what we talked about with the second half, 66 to 28, with one of those being Eugene Asante's scoop and score against AM, is there. Is that a fair criticism of our coaching staff coming out in the second half and not adjusting or not adapting to the game game plan or just sticking with it? I don't know. I, I'm lost. I, I really don't know what has happened in the second half. Georgia, we still hung around. Georgia, that was a great game. This is mainly the A&M and LSU critique, especially A&M. I think A&M was the worst way to come out for a second half. And LSU, I thought we, we came out well, honestly, with a good first play, but nothing really showed from I was going to say, the – you know, we got, we got a field goal, three and outs. Just we we have to keep trying I would, to yeah. eliminate those. We just at least, if anything, especially in a game like this against LSU, giving a three and out right after a touchdown, after a, a you know three and a half minute drive, and having to put the defense right back out there after a touchdown, you know, get another one. We we got to at least be able to move the chains, give our guys a breather. They they beat us by by ten minutes time possession. And honestly, that's kind of misleading because we held the ball for the last four minutes of the game when it didn't really matter. So they were they were just on the field more often than we were. And we also, I think that takes into part why our defense kind of would get gashed at times. And you know, yeah. 
Doesn't it feel like, though, that they just ran so many more plays than we did? Yes. And, and they didn't. They ran no, five I, more plays than us. I know. I, Makes no sense to me. Because it's probably due to just, you know, explosive plays from, from them. Just, yeah. What? 30 episodes, and I think we've had one fun uh, post-game show the following week, A&M. But anyways, we'll keep talking about the 30th episode. We will talk about a team that we actually have had a lot of fun against throughout our short tenure as Auburn fans, or our, I guess, yeah, we're still young Auburn fans. We're near the end of our college careers, but Auburn lasts forever. But we will take a quick break, come back, talk about Ole Miss, look at the rest of the SEC West and the college ball world in general. Thank you guys for staying up with us, and we'll be back shortly. And welcome back, Varners Before Bed, episode 30. Again, still crazy that we made it this far. Maybe not as crazy, but shocking for this crew. But we'll take our focus now towards Ole Miss, an opponent that we currently have an all-time record of 34-11 against, which kind of blew my mind. I had no idea this has been that one-sided. 17-3 and at home. And Garber, you mentioned earlier the, the lore of Jordan Hare and how, yes, we play better at Jordan Hare, but so does everyone. Like, you play better at your home field. But Ole Miss, a lot of these wins growing up that I can remember, 2013, in the end, we ended up being the better team, but at the time, they had Bo Wallace and were better than us. That was an upset win. Two years ago, Bo Nixon crew took them to the woodshed on a striped-out night. Kind of the same vibe, like chilly October night. Maybe not the same stakes but or quality of team, but it was a striped-out night against Ole Miss in October. Would one say that maybe we struggle, not struggle, but yes, we struggle against Georgia at home, unfortunately. Bama and LSU come into town. We play great at home, but they still sometimes find a way to win. Ole Miss really never finds a way to win at Jordan-Hare. Is that because Ole Miss really hasn't become the program to where every game when they go on the road, they are going to have like a striped-out night, but Auburn does it for every game. That's what makes Jordan-Hare special, and schools like Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State, who even when they're good struggle at Jordan-Hare and lose are just not used to that. I think it's a testament to how involved the university gets our fans uh this is one thing and this is the last time i feel like mentioning last weekend but death valley's energy does not come from the student section if you guys were paying attention my brother was down there in the lower bowl and he said that it is the older cajuns that just get fired up for football they're what makes death valley loud and he was like it was actually you know kind of surprising how not as into it as the student section was, uh, which was kind of crazy to me. But I think it's just the university does a great job of, uh, you know, just getting students to the game and keeping the atmosphere, the energy alive, despite the fact that we've underperformed over the last few years. So I think that plays a huge role into it. Let me clear up that question I asked because I saw some confused faces. LSU, Georgia, and Bama always get everyone's best. They're everyone's Super Bowl when they go on the road. Auburn treats every single game like it's a Super Bowl. We had a wideout for UMass that was filled to the brim. That's what makes Auburn special. Lane said that in his pregame interview. Also, Lane is a horrible coach down the stretch. I mean, y'all remember last year they went 7-0 and and then finished 8-5? and we, we That was kind of a, a sabotage on us, too. The Auburn Twitterverse was fueling the Lane to Auburn rumors. I'll, I'll say this about Ole Miss. It's, there just kind of is, is a natural hierarchy in the SEC, you feel, that – doesn't mean that every every year team's going to win. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to beat them, but it's just there it just seems to be that level tier. And Auburn just has always since I've been a fan just been higher than Ole Miss, even when Ole Miss is a better team. It's just you feel it like 2021, you know, 2 years ago, that was Ole Miss's best team they'd they'd ever had. And we were we had a coach we, we had a team coached by coach H and won that game Fairly decisively, I'd say. Um, we got some help from some boneheaded calls from Lane Kiffin, which I'm still hoping to get because that's just kind of the team they are. They're you know they're a good team, but yet again, and they they should be the way they play. You know, scoring a million points, like they should be able to run away with it against us. But yet they're only favored by six and a half. Yeah. I think Auburn is going to take some of the energy out of them, and is definitely going to pump it into our team. I'm. I don't know. I just something about Ole Miss, and I don't know. Maybe they're listening. I don't want to give them bulletin board material, but Ole Miss just never truly scares me going into mm-hmm. going into a matchup, and which is nice. 
that I can, you know, go in, you know, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Ole Miss are kind of the three teams. That was Gus's bread and butter. It was like, you know, when he was always pretty good, he was beating those teams, and usually two of those three teams he was beating handedly. I would love to I would love for Auburn in this next stretch of games playing those three teams or playing no, we're playing Vandy in between there, but playing those next three SEC West teams, I'd love to see us come back and, you know, control take control over those those three SEC West teams. Because it brings us back into the hierarchy of where, all right, right now we're not Alabama, we're not an LSU, we're not a Georgia, but we're beating the teams that we should be beating. A hundred percent. And not that I'm saying we should be beating them, you know, we're we're getting we're catching six and a half points at home. But something about it I just I always I'm always gonna have faith in Auburn against against Ole Miss. Graham, and this would make you even feel more in short or nervous because maybe it's time for this streak to be over, but you were alive the last time this happened. Seventy one years ago was the last time that Ole Miss beat Auburn back to back years. Wow. Yeah. That's, That's kind sad. of a crazy stat, right? Yeah. yeah we've only that and seventeen at three at home. Like since since we've been alive, we've only lost Ole Miss five times. So we're seventeen and five. Like we are daddy to them. So I, <laughs> I I agree with Garber. Like I'm just I don't care how how good of a team they're gonna field. Like I I fully expect us to win that football game. Because that's you have to bring yourself to this point where do you think that Ole Miss the Ole Miss Rebels could you picture them in Atlanta? I, I every never, year mm-hmm. I can never I never can. And so that's just kind of what it is. Like it's unfair. It makes Ole Miss people angry, but for every reason you know, especially last year when all that Lane Kiffin. You know, smoke was going on. The debates of who's a better program. It's obviously Auburn. Like people, the reason why people can picture Auburn in Atlanta is because they've seen Auburn in Atlanta. When was the last time Ole Miss was in Atlanta? In our, not in our lifetime. I don't. I don't believe Eli Manning. You can fact no, check, they you can fact check me. Maybe. Yeah, they did. Mississippi State's been to Atlanta. I'm pretty sure. I know Arkansas has. Missouri has, which is hilarious. Yeah, we beat them. Yeah. yeah. Um, is Kentucky. No, the Kentucky and Ole Miss are the two schools I can never. I was about picture. to say those are those are very similar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. are they on the same tier? Probably. South Carolina's been Atlanta. I'd say Kentucky's still on like historically the same tier of football as them, Vandy, and give me one more of just a. Like, I'd I'd put them above Vanderbilt. Is Vandy just a tier? Of Vanderbilt's one of three teams in Power Five that still has never had a ten win season. Really? Hey, you know the last Ole Miss coach to win at Jordan Hare. Come on, really? You? Yeah. All right. Uh, I was waiting for it. I was about you, to say like Houston. I, I thought, thought you were going like <laughs> oh not. oh with Ole Miss. Yes. Okay, yeah. I was, I was, okay. Did I say Ole yeah. Miss? Yeah, you did. Well, anyways, also fun fact about Hugh as I was looking up that stat, I thought this was a lot cooler than it was after more thought because a few LSU guys have done it, but uh, to my knowledge, there's only been four dudes since Nick Saban to beat Bama at Bama. And then Auburn at Auburn, and Hughes one of them. The other two is Orgeron, Les Miles, and then this one's hilarious. I bet y'all don't get it. Dabo, super random. No, Dab. When is Dabo played at guy? I don't know. Yes, well, used to be. Uh, he coached at Arizona for a little bit. Uh, someone. Kevin, someone. Yeah, someone. <laughs> so also wow. look, they are high scoring. I thought they were the same. I I don't haven't really watched much Ole Miss. I thought they had the same identity as LSU because that's just like what Lane is. They scored 73, 37, 48, 55 respectively in games. But also they have the 20th ranked rush defense and the 30th ranked pass defense compared to where LSU was 111. That's what's scary to me. Yeah, I really can't get a vibe on them. I don't I don't know. Here's here's what why I'm confident about this game. Like Garber said, it's Ole Miss. It's a you know it's a game that we have in, historically played well in. Uh, two, I you know I'm I just don't see a world where we hire Hugh Freeze and are happy about the hire like we are, where he loses four straight. I don't think I just don't see Hugh Freeze losing losing four straight in this season. And then also just Jordan Hare atmosphere. We play we play well in Jordan Hare, significantly better than we play on the road. That's been proven through this season. Uh, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a good game, but I think it's one that we're going to win. I was saying today. Whatever we do, do not lose Jordan Hare. We can't have a play to where the crowd, we lose Jordan Hare. Even if we're down 14 you got, and the crowd's still there, I still think we have a chance to win because Ole Miss never plays in environments like this. They play in it once every two years. And if they're occasionally good and they go to Bryant-Denny at like a 330 kick, yeah, it will be packed out. But they, again, are never anyone Super Bowl because they are that tier above Kentucky and Vandy. But also, I'd say defense, and we, we've talked about in basketball the rule of 71. I got a hot take for Saturday. Rule of 21. First team to 21 wins this game. Thoughts? I, uh, I, I don't know if that's necessarily how 
I don't know if that's like a the uh, what is it? Because think about it, if we're up twenty-one to like I, let's say thirteen, I don't see a world where we lose that game at Jordan Harry. I don't know if Ole that's Miss. the padlock stat. That was that was the word I was looking for. It's not at all. I don't know if that's up. the padlock stat of the game, but I do think I, I'm kind of with you. It, it cannot, yeah, there cannot be a stretch where Ole Miss scores like three times in a row. I I, I would like to say so, or if they are, it's got to be like two field goals and some, something in there. But also, I think a big thing we're also forgetting is that. It's Hugh Freeze versus Ole Miss. Yes. Yep. You I don't mean, think he's had this one circled for a while? I think I think Hugh Freeze maybe was evident in his pregame uh, press conference talking about Georgia, but I think yeah, I think this might be his game of the year. It, it's Hugh Freeze game of the year. I if he's I not it. excited to play against the Rebels, that I don't even think he necessarily has any you know malice towards. I think it's just like. If you call yourself a man, you know, a coach in the SEC, you're playing against an old school. Like you just want to be some them. animosity, if you will. And you talked about how Gu- animosity. <laughs> you talked about how Gus would always beat the drums out of Arkansas. He had a reason to. He was that was a chip for him. He was still mad that they hired Bobby P over him, his home state. And also, oh, I do remember Arkansas went to the SEC championship with Gus as their OC. Random plug. But last thing we'll talk about this game, and then we'll talk about it a little bit more in the next segment and maybe talk about some basketball as well, some news. Is this a rivalry? I mean, it is SEC West, but we don't play them next year. And if it was a rivalry, what would you call it? Because I got a couple ideas. I would not say that it's a rivalry. Um, strictly based off of just our record against them and the fact that you know we already have three. Auburn's a special school. It's got three actual, three games that mean a lot. You know, just consistently played every year, they mean something. But it is still an SEC West game, so you could almost you could you could make the argument that every SEC West game's a, you know, a rivalry of some sort, just because we play them every year. What would you call it? <coughs> Come back to that. I yeah, I, I, I'm not what sure. What about the Peter Millar Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> like it may be the most sweater vest in one town ever if it's also cold because of when it's strategically played. Yeah. It's always either late September or early like early to mid October. Like there's a good Is there a reason behind that? Quarter zips, a lot of four week stretch where a quarter zips just If this was in November, people. watch out Carhartts. A lot of boots. Actually they've fallen off. When it, I feel like Carhartts and like beats, the big beats that are really cool. Nah, they're still up. <laughs> Carhartts uh, still up. Yeah. So uh score prediction Saturday. I like us. This was our this I believe was our lock of the year when we did this back in April. And I stand by it. I'll go first. Give me, ooh, 31-24 Auburn. That's what I was going to say. Write it. Um, give me 27-21 Auburn. I like that as well. I mean, you said the race to 21. When's the last time we scored 21 points? It's been a minute. That would be Samford, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me put my clown makeup back on. Um <laughs> I'll go, I'll go twenty-seven to twenty-four Auburn. Yeah. Oh, wait, we were talking about bye weeks. Bye weeks really mean nothing anymore. I believe AM's the only SEC team so far. No, Tennessee's the only SEC team so far to win after a bye week, and they still struggled against AM. Ole Miss is coming off of a bye. Kiffin's not a good late October, November coach. Watch out, college football world. Any other last takes before we go to break? That makes me feel good about the bye week. I was uh, I was worried about us, you know, out of the bye week losing, but if everyone else is, then we're fine. Yeah, got to run the ball. Yes, got to run the ball. Run the rest. Yes, run effectively. The ball. This should be a Georgia Jutkins versus our running back room battle. I think. I don't think this yes. game. We do not need this game to be won through the air. Georgia, Georgia game plan. All right. Off of that, we'll take a quick break. Come back. Talk a little basketball. Talk about the college football world. Thank you guys for listening to us, and we will be back shortly. <laughs> Welcome back. Barners Before Bed, episode 30. Got some news coming out of the basketball world. You know, it's always a sad time as a football fan when it's middle of October. You're still wearing shorts. It's sweatshirt and shorts weather, by the way, which just screams football. It comes a little later in deep South SEC territory, but would you agree this is probably the the – 50 to 60-ish range is the best football weather in the world, sweatshirt and shorts. Yes, I would agree. Yeah. It's uh, a yeah, long-sleeve T-shirt, mm-hmm. put on some shorts. Yeah, Garber, you strike me as a guy who just loves like to see sleet on the field so the lineman can go no pads, and, or excuse me, no undershirt, and 
really show y'all's grit? No, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not. I've become, I've, I've become softer with the cold as I've you know been down in Auburn the last couple of years. But um, I do appreciate seeing the seeing the linemen go sleeveless. You know that always did feel good. Like, yeah, we don't care. I no agree. deep down, it does. It is still cold. I, I've gone soft too. I don't think I could do like a go back home and do a Kentucky Vandy game in November where there's it's like 30 and raining. 12, 12 degrees because yeah, it's the northeast. <laughs> the Midwest. Midwest, yeah, yeah, Midwest. Don't see the sun Spe- for a couple speak- hours. Speaking yeah. of the Midwest, basketball season, we got SEC Media Day on Thursday. We had the AP poll come out today. Also the Ken Palm rankings, which had Auburn at 15th. Five SEC teams, however, though, in the AP ranking. We were talking about on the way here how the AP doesn't really matter Tennessee at nine, Arkansas at fourteen, A&M at fifteen, Kentucky at tw- or excuse me sixteen, and Bama at twenty-one. Auburn not cracking it there. But Jack, you said that Ken Palm matters more. I would say in so. The, does it? Does anything matter in the preseason? No. Well, nothing matters in the preseason, but Ken Palm has historically been a good uh, metric to use to figure out where your team stands in midseason. So it's something I always like. It's to look exciting at. to see, but like I don't understand necessarily how Ken Palm does it with how new of a team we have this year. That's um, also true. I mean, I guess he's just got – got to put something out there. I don't know. I Preseason – preseason in football really doesn't matter that much. Preseason basketball really does not matter at all. Such a long yeah, season. Someone, such So much craziness going on. It's Rothstein's always says the only number that matters – and this is midseason too. The only number that matters is your tournament seed. So – until we get to March, the only number I care about is, you know, our wins and losses keep us above keep us in the tournament race. Someone put out a tweet back in May and it was like, I'm willing to bet a million dollars this is gonna be the top twenty five poll in college basketball, <laughs> which it is every year. It goes we either like, Okay, we don't know what we're doing. Let's just put Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Kansas is the top four. Which, funny enough, Kansas and Duke are one and two. And then they're like, let's just throw three random ACC teams, two random Big Ten teams, and Gonzaga. That's our top 11. And then moving on, it's like, let's just throw St. Mary's at like 20, and then sneaky like an SEC team at 25. Big East schools yeah. around. Yeah. It's really just like pick your poise. That you get. The Blue Bloods are usually at the top because everyone's like, oh, high-rated recruits, which I'm happy as a Kentucky guy that we're now at 16 because just putting that pressure on a bunch of 15 or 15, 18-year-old McDonald's All-Americans is too much. But for Auburn, what would, is this – Fitting of a Bruce, I feel like we've lost the Bruce Pearl identity of run and gun. We got shooters. It's AAU style basketball. We're gonna put up numbers, and we really haven't had the shooters in the past few years. Speaking of that, Alan Flanagan's going to be at Media Day for Ole Miss, which will be kind of weird to see. That will definitely feel be very weird to see. But Trey, I'm gonna actually disagree with you. It's just 2022. We were a perimeter. We were back to the basket team. Uh, 2021. We still. I mean, there were games where we. We got hot, uh, which is how how Bruce plays. And looking at this roster, we we're, we can do both. I think Aiden Holloway may be the most Bruce Pearl point guard he's ever had. Which I yeah, love. He's up there. He's I I absolutely love Aiden's game. I love I love our transfers. Everything I keep hearing is very Bruce Pearl esque from 2019. I guess it's, apparently we can shoot the skin off the basketball, but. Uh, Defense, apparently we need to we, – we still have some steps to take, which is usually how it goes. But it's exciting to hear that we can shoot because I'll stand by it. It's like, you know, watching teams shoot threes is the equivalent to the air raid. Uh, it's just fun to watch no matter what. If you're watching teams hit 15, you know, 12 to 15 threes in a game, it's it's, it's so exciting. Yeah. And, Graham, I'll ask you this. You, I like how you mentioned 2019. If this team this year – were to go on a 2019 type of run and get to the Final Four, would you be willing to trade that experience for what we missed out on the past four years on the gridiron? Or would you all go back and be like, I would rather have us not make the NCAA tournament one time just to be in the college football playoff one year? Uh, yes. Give me the yes. college football yes. playoff, 100%. Yes. College football playoffs, a different thing. I take, take a losing basketball season every year for – one college football player. Would you trade going 0-31 in basketball every single year to do what George is doing in football? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I 100% would. Yeah. But I feel like there's becoming more of a basketball culture. And this is going to lead to my next question. Obviously, Bruce is more famous than Harson on campus. But if you 
where a visiting student from or high school getting on, going on your college tour had really no idea about Auburn, would you be more excited to see Bruce Pearl or Hugh Freeze? Let's just say you're a big ball guy, but not never been an Auburn fan. Probably Bruce right now, just because he's he solidifies himself kind of as an Auburn, as an Auburn legend. Hugh hasn't done it yet. Um, a keyword operating word being yet. Um, my hope is that Hugh will turn this thing around and get us back to football relevance, so that I never have to hear again that Auburn's a basketball school. I I think it's a kind of a sickening. It's a sickening statement. It's not even just uh, unintelligent. It's just it, it just it is because. Auburn is a Southern football school. It's a football. We have a we have Jordan Hare, you know, an absolute mecca of college football. The fact that there are people, and I've heard it. You know, I heard it from work this summer. I worked with a guy. He's in Nashville now. Went to Auburn. He was like, "Yeah, honestly, I don't really follow football anymore. I'm just a basketball fan." That makes me sick, almost. That's disgusting. It's disgusting, oh. and I and I honestly, I weirdly am on the take that I think that the basketball success. Um, maybe pulls away from football. I don't know how. I'm not saying I would not want us to be good at basketball, but you just look at programs. Who's good at both consistently? Who's good at both consistently? I would say Ohio State. Ohio State and Michigan. Ohio Michigan, Michigan Texas. Florida used to be. I would say Texas is up there in the relevance. It'd be really cool if we could do both. Is there I'd a say is there State, a... But I will say I would I would take I would take football by mile. I mean what I'd rather be yeah, successful. Yeah, nobody's I don't think anybody disagrees with you here. And also, I don't think you can legitimately try to make an argument for us being a basketball school until the revenue margins are even just even close. They're not right. They're nowhere near. Yeah. Close. So, as long as football's, you know, just tripling everybody no, or and, more. And, and and you're right. And I think I think it's more uh I, I don't think we have anything to worry about. It's just a it was a troubling trend I was sensing. I was sensing it more during the Harzen years, late Harzen years, but you know, firing him I think it was a good step in getting us back in the right direction. But yeah, it was a troubling trend around campus. You know, you just I don't think anybody you felt, you felt too much more uh, I don't know giddiness and excitement only talking about basketball and then football. Well, I think it's because we were just trying to feel excitement. Yeah, I, I, I don't think true. it even was that people genuinely believed it. I think they were just trying to convince themselves of something we want to believe feel in. I mean, that's yes. just not, that's not that like is, only just, Auburn though. If you go back to Michigan when they had Trey Burke and playing in the Natty, they had Brady Hoke as the football coach. They were horrible. They, I mean, they were definitely were leaning towards basketball more and Louisville when they had Lamar and were on probation in basketball they were definitely leaning towards football it happens in ways but yes it is annoying when you grow up being an Auburn fan and now you go here and is someone like you Garber who leans way more towards football hearing that a program that you love so much now fans coming from other areas being like I only cheer for basketball would be disheartening yeah but I do think we're I still think we're fine and I think we're on, we're on the right track back <laughs> Even if our football record doesn't necessarily indicate it, um, I think our recruiting does. Speaking of big, big uh, commit from twenty twenty five, D lineman. It's kind of crazy that we're hearing that for classifications yeah. now for recruits. Yeah, it might mean nothing. You know, twenty twenty five is crazy. Yeah, so I feel far like away. football commits mean zero. I dis I disagree with zero, but it is just like. So many things could happen. This kid's what twenty twenty five. He's gonna be going to college, so he's basketball, sixteen years. I would now. say basketball means, means so much less. more. Yeah, basketball. No, whoa, 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 whoa! How? Because basketball, you have kids committing when they're sophomores, and they will stay the whole time and recruit other people to come. Yes and no, because then you also Ooh, have football. The guys. I, okay, I guess maybe not commitments, but crystal balls and basketball mean absolutely nothing. Well, in football what you, now, what do you mean by football commits mean nothing? Yeah, that's no. As in, like, if a kid were to commit to us in 2025, now today I would not blink an eye, knowing that maybe in a year this kid may get offered 10 million dollars of NIL from Texas or A&M. He's not getting that's 10 million. That's a lot more rare than you think. As I say, I think I think so too. I'm with Grant. I think that is a. I think that's a. Decommitments are pretty rare. I think that's a major fear that like people like to bring up. It's almost kind of fear mongering. Okay, In, in the in the college football news. That you know, oh, like just because people can decommit easier nowadays. I, I don't know. I would not say that it's anyone like likely that this kid's gonna decommit. Like, Cut me no some reason. slack here. I grew up in Lexington where we would have a kid commit as a sophomore, and then literally by a junior, he's either going to Georgia, Bama, or 
Because they would, okay, Auburn's, I hope, never going to be one of these schools, but kids would commit when they don't, they haven't gone to enough camps, they have two more years up to high school, they'll, they b- yeah, bump up from a ladder. three to four, and also committing to like an Auburn or something would, or at least Auburn would, maybe not Kentucky, but Auburn would bump them up to a four, they get now noticed by, unfortunately there's programs that are higher up than us, like an Ohio State or something, they come in, throw, throw a little something-something, <laughs> aka NIL, they leave, I don't think that's happened to Auburn, that happened to Kentucky all the time. And Bama was a, like, Mac Jones, Damian Harris. You can go down the line. But I think in basketball, a commit, especially the McDonald's guys, when do you ever hear of them decommitting? You maybe have one or two a class. When you say, well, there's just less guys. There's less guys, but I would say it's probably the same for bat. Like, I bet it's, I bet the proportionately. Is, yeah, yeah. Well, in basketball, these kids are playing for their, like, company's AAU circuit. A kid who commits to Kansas, Adidas is not letting him leave. Financially, at least. They will not let him go to another. They're not letting him go to a Nike. They're not letting him go to Duke or Kentucky or Gonzaga or any of those schools. That was a lot of hoops for October. I like it, though. I, I'm excited especially to watch Auburn play Baylor in South Dakota. Uh, this, yes. Yeah, Jack, you were talking about going this, to that game. I, that was mainly just a joke. I would love to do that, though. I think that would be a cool trip. <laughs> Our schedule's awesome. If you're a basketball, like, Purist, almost, if you want to say. Like, our schedule is so much fun when you look at the teams that we get to play. Uh, just Indiana, historically a basketball school. Going to be fun to play against them. USC has historically been pretty good at basketball. Going to be awesome to play them. Oh, uh, they have. They had, like, <laughs> O.J. Mayo, I think. Yeah, they've, they've had guys before. Uh, Baylor, great program. Going to be fun to play against. So, it's just exciting. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Going to be so much fun to play them. Vatek. Vatek. Indiana, USC. Yeah. I'm I'm so Alabama pumped. A&M. I'm Notre pumped. Dame's a cool game. Yeah, very cool game. I love. And then if we beat, uh, you know, after the Notre Dame game, there's a potential matchup against the Bonnies or Oklahoma State. The Bonnies. The Bonnies are always the sneaky 11 seed. You're like, I'm gonna slide them here by up. Yeah, six they are, seed uh, ACC team. They sound team. cool. So it's always. I've seen a Bonnies tournament game in Nashville a long time ago. Played Texas, I believe. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I love college basketball, but that's not where my mind is yet. It's just yeah. fun to kind of got to keep peak what's around the corner. It's week eight, and we will continue to talk about college football when we come back. We'll take a short break. Break down our picks. There was a bit of a power change there in the uh, the rankings. A little unfortunate, but we'll talk about that when we come back. Thank you guys for staying up with us, and we'll be back shortly. See you. And welcome back to Barksport Bet episode 30, a special edition of the fastest two minutes in sports. But first, let's go up to Garber in the booth. Garb, what are the standings looking like? So it's been a while since I've let everybody know um, where we're standing, where we're sitting at right now. But Graham and I both coming off of 7-1 and one last two weeks has put Graham in the lead at 15-9. and nine. Um, Trey and I are tied for at 58% with 14 wins and 10 losses. And Jack Vesey, way yeah, down there, at 7-17. Seven and 17. <laughs> It's all right, though. We're halfway. A bookie's best friend, if you're, Jack uh, Vesey. Yeah, if you're, if you're listening to it, you might take a hint on what, what Jack Vesey's picks are this week. Mm-hmm. Um, take them. <laughs> it's true. Regression to the mean. The Let's look into it. It's, it is a weird week of college football, I think. Yeah, I was, look, games, I was looking but at it. Weird lines. Uh-huh. Not yeah. a ton of small ones. A lot of big, a lot of large numbers. Yeah, I'll start us off, y'all don't mind. For the over, last week I was an idiot and took the USC under. I thought Notre Dame in a primetime game on NBC, I just feel like it's always a low-scoring game, but I forgot that it is Caleb Williams. Even though they scored 20, their defense is not that good. And, yes, that did not hit, but this time I'm going back to them with the over. 56 against Utah. Give me that all day. Moving on. I'm going to go the under in the Clemson-Miami game. It's at Miami. I feel like it's a – that's. I feel like it would be a primetime game, but I don't know. I feel like Dabo – What's the number? 50. I feel like Dabo is always a low-scoring, boring one in primetime. I feel like Clemson's never really – they'll have the occasional, like, double OT game at, like, noon. But in primetime, I feel like they're just always boring. And that's because they used to be dominant, but now they're just, like, boring to watch. Like, I don't think they're a fun team to watch anymore. Then now with my favorite, I love this one. I'm going to hop on the bandwagon. Give me James Madison minus three and a half against sorry coach Pennington Marshall. Minus how many? Three and a half. James Madison six and zero. Oh, by the way, they've been they've been good last ever since they've become a team and since like 2020. And yeah, I was about to on. say there's no way they 
were a FBS level football team back in. Yeah, was well, that only? I think it was. Believe it was the year before Kevin. Yeah, became one. And then my underdog pick. I have a very very weird feeling about this. I think Penn State's going to walk into the shoe and cover that four and a half. I really do. I, I think Ohio State. It, there's always. I feel like it may be Penn State's year, man. James Franklin's been knocking on the door for years, and I just feel like it's Ohio State's not that far and ahead of the Big Ten like they've been in the past. And, yeah, I think this could be the time for the Nittany Lions. All right. I will move, move along to my favorite, which is the Oregon Ducks, uh, minus 20 this week. I think um, – I think they're still a great team. They played a great team on the road at Washington. I think they're going to come back, take care of business, um, take 20. I'll take, I'll take 20 points, and I'll hope they go by more. Um, Auburn is my, fav- is my underdog for the reasons I've said before. Just It's Auburn versus Ole Miss. We're at home. We're getting six and a half points. I'll take six and a half points. I'll take any more you want to give me. I'll take less if you, if you take some away. I'm taking Auburn. Um, and then I'm going to go move along to my over. I'm taking Oklahoma UCF over 65. This has just been a o- – Oklahoma's just a wagon offensively. Um, I honestly could see them scoring 65 in this game alone. So UCF only – Gus Malzahn only having to put up a couple. Two touchdowns would help me out a lot. Um, give me Oklahoma UCF over 65 and a half. And then my under is going to be Penn State, <laughs> Ohio State. As of right now, forecasted for rain. Um, under 46 and a half, I think it's going to be kind of a rock fight, which is I think is going to be conducive for you, Trey, for having Penn State plus four and a half. But I think the game is going to slow down a little bit. Primetime Big Ten. Would love to see an under. All right. So we're going to turn things around this week. So if you're listening at home, go ahead and write it down. This is where the, the ship Make sure to write them course. down for sure. This is where the ship changes course. So I'm going. I'm actually going with Trey on my over. I like USC Utah over 56. I just USC's defense is so bad. You can't beat them. Join them. I guess USC's offense is over. So you're gonna tail the co-hosts. I mean, I had the last had time you did that on an over. I had it written down at 7:30. Last time you did that was with USC Notre Dame under last week. Okay. For the listeners listening. That's cool. Um, and then my under, I'm actually going Auburn Ole Miss under. I think it's going to be a game that we win. The line's set at 55 and a half, and so I just see that you know 31 to 24 hits the under. So it's what I said. I think it's going to happen. I think you know Auburn's going to get it done in a low-scoring brawl. Then for my underdog pick, I like to give this one first. Change it up, maybe. I'm going Miami plus, plus three and a half against Clemson at home. Uh, Miami's been solid this year. Uh, Clemson is not, and I like to go with the home team underdogs. So that, we're riding that. And then for my favorite, give me Missouri minus 7.5 against South Carolina. I think Missouri's a very good football team, and I think there's a chance that they are going to be playing the Georgia Bulldogs this year uh, as a 7-1 and one team, which will be a lot of fun to watch. So give me Missouri minus 5.5 or 7.5. All right. Um uh, in contrast to Jack, I don't feel very good about <coughs> any of these four picks. This is kind of a weird slate this week. But um, for my favorite, give me Oklahoma minus 19.5 at home against UCF. Um, I just UCF's not good, and Oklahoma's really good. It's that simple. Um, underdog, give me Stanford at home plus 17 against 25th-ranked UCLA. Stanford coming off a pretty big win against Colorado. Um UCLA's got a really good defense, not a great offense. Coming off a uh, lost Oregon State, I expect that to be a low-scoring game. Give me Stanford plus 17. Uh, Over, give me over TCU, Kansas State. I can see that one uh, being a high-scoring affair. It's at 58.5, so give me the over there. Um, And then finally for the under, Northwestern at Nebraska, under 42.5. I think that goes without saying that both teams do not have prolific offenses. What is that under? 40, 42 and a half. 42 and a half. Like the, was that your last pick there, Graham? That was my sort last pick. Sort of ADD'd out. But I would like to give close episode 30 off by giving Graham some credit because 
some would say maybe the most quiet out of the the four, but real G's move in silence like lasagna, as Little Wayne said. Not only is he on top of picks, I am now one of my favorite moments through our 30 episodes was him saying that Joey Chestnut was his goat athlete, and I'm now seeing rumblings from other people around campus in group chats saying that by far he is the goat athlete. So there's a lot of great takes over there from Microphone 4, so give it up for Melly. Also, boys, I don't think we'll be here next week due to the flag football game. Two weeks from now. Two weeks weeks from now. now. So hopefully we will have two Mississippi wins and a flag football championship under our belt by the time we come back. We'll be we'll be here after after Mississippi State. Or after Ole Miss. Yeah. Well that'd be won't be here in two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Oh my gosh. Well I'm I need to get a calendar. You do need a little Wednesday at eleven actually. (laughs) Um, We could go back to our roots now. But uh, I will We'll say we are at the halfway point in the season. So a lot of time for Graham maybe to lose his lead or maybe Jack to gain, you know, catch some fire. And we actually discussed it right before this, but we're putting some stakes on the on the winner. The winner gets free Buffalo Wild Wings trip on the group. Um, we'll be celebrating the week after conference championships, which is our final week of picks the winner will be getting eaten for free. Some say that's more prestigious than the Lombardi. You know, like I'd say so. In my uh, eyes, yeah. yeah. It's up there. The Barnes Before Bed Buffalo Wild Wings trip will be, yeah. What do, you yeah tell, what are, something you're going to tell your kid about. I mean, if, if I win in a comeback, so I may just get that framed. Comeback? You're only down, a, you're only down one, one game. We got some sharps yeah. in here. I know. I was about to say, the fact that oh, we have three guys hitting 58% or higher. Crazy. It's honestly also impressive to go 29%. I think if you tried to do it, I think you'd struggle. <laughs> I'm hitting it 70% <clears throat> if you're fading. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's I impressive. Think, I think that's real. It's 29 is a low number. That's a, I think if you someone were to pick, tell you to pick 10 games, I, you'd be hard-pressed to try and lose less than three. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's a good way to close off, talking about how sharp or unsharp our gambling picks are. But thank you guys for listening to us. Hopefully next week after Ole Miss, we'll be talking about a victory. It's getting a little brutal here talking about each week the quarterback play and yada, yada, yada with the, the, the losses and stuff. But looking forward to it. Going to be a fun atmosphere at Jordan-Hare. Should be a lot of good memories made, maybe. But once again, thank you guys for listening to us. Follow us on Twitter, at Barners B4, letter 4, bed. Keep updated. We need to do a better job of tweeting, but anyways, that's sort for another time. But, yeah, from Trey Atkins, Campbell Garber, Jack Vesey, and Graham Copeland, War Eagle, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Love you guys. Thank you all for listening from us here at Barners Before Bed. We hope you join us next Wednesday at 10 p.m. right here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Sleep tight, Tiger fans, and as always, War Eagle.